Welcome to The West Steps, a podcast from the Colorado Children's Campaign that explores issues that impact Colorado kids and families. I'm your host, Beza Tedes. Welcome to another episode of The West Steps. And today, unlike most weeks, uh, we're going to talk to people who don't work at the Colorado Children's Campaign. So this is a treat. Uh, before we jump into what we're going to um, spend most of our time talking about, I'm going to let um, our guests introduce themselves. Maggie, you want to start? Sure. Thanks, Beza. Thanks for having me. My name is Maggie Gomez. I'm the Deputy Director at Center for Health Progress, and I lead the Coalition for Immigrant Health. And my name is Lorena Garcia, and I am the Executive Director of the Colorado Statewide Parent Coalition and also leading the Removing Barriers Coalition. All right, ladies. Um, So I think, you know, we have started to hear a little bit more about uh, this um, Removing Barriers Coalition and the work it's doing. But I think it would be good to set some background and some context. Uh, So can you give us uh, some background on how Colorado come to pass um, harmful laws for immigrants in 2006? Yes. So, um, you know, prior to 2006 and even after, there has been a lot of anti-immigrant sentiment, not only in Colorado, but um, across the country. And Colorado is the home of a person called Tom Tancredo. And he was known very much for being a a, a xenophobe and just really wanting to ensure that um, Colorado and the country rid itself of immigrants. So at the federal level, he tried a lot of stuff. And then he was threatening at the state level to run ballot initiatives that would make um, anti-immigrant policies that pass in statute constitutional. And so at the same time, there was a Republican governor and a Democratic held uh, House of Representatives and Senate. And unfortunately, um, what we know is that sometimes our legislators tend to make decisions based on whether or not they're going to maintain the um, the majority or they're going to maintain their seats and tend to make um, concessions, not fully recognizing the extreme damage that those concessions are making. So instead of having those ballot initiatives on the state constitution um, or on the state ballot that would potentially have driven out more Republican voters, they decided to do a compromise and pass those in a Democratic-held House of Representatives and state Senate. And so that's how these horrible bills that we know as Senate Bill 1023, 1009, and Senate Bill 90 came to be. Since then, though, um, Senate Bill 90 has been repealed thanks to uh, Senator Ulibadi and represent- Representative Salazar. And, you know, it, a lot of different chipping away um, efforts have been done, have been, have been had to to alleviate the negative impacts of Senate Bill 23, 1023 and 1009. Hmm. Um, so you talked about how, um, you know, one of those bills has been repealed and um, legislators have been trying to chip at um, the uh, the rest of this, those harmful legislation. What has been the impact on Coloradans? Because I think, you know, sometimes uh, what happens in policy and politics is um, very opaque and we don't get to see the impacts on people's lives um, until it's too late. So can you talk to us about what the impact of those racist policies have been in Colorado? 
Yeah, absolutely. A couple of things. Um, a lot of the, the impacts are st drawn people who are directly affected. And what some of these laws did is they extended far beyond what already exists in federal law. So these egregious overreaches have have and were intended um, to harm our communities. And so we've heard for, since 2006, an enormous amount of stories and impact, everything from people being um, improperly denied a library card to actually having folks who are, um, can't verify lawful presence and are uninsured being denied access to charity care programs at hospitals for healthcare services. Also illegal because it is a misunderstanding so we know that families um, have been intentionally targeted and you, the use of fear, um, not only for, for individuals who might not be able to verify lawful presence, but also for, for their families who are actually eligible, eligible for all sorts of public benefits and services that they deserve, have been too afraid to access them. And we really believe that putting this this burdensome red tape on municipalities and specifically um, clerks that have to now be in the business of immigration enforcement and figuring out um, how to validate someone's citizenship when really their roles are simply to protect the public by reviewing candidates for licensure for any profession, for any profession that needs that. Um, to ensure that they have the credentials that they need to perform any said profession safely and properly. So now we also see issues um, downstream where we have students with DACA or, um, or other, other undocumented students who, because of the work of some of the most amazing leaders, including folks on this call, um, to get things like asset in-state tuition for, for students, they are now graduating and, and going to college, but are actually unaware that when they pursue things like nursing degrees, they're not able to actually get, become a registered nurse or a licensed uh, professional because of their status. And when through the pandemic, we have seen the lack of a diverse healthcare workforce have negative impacts on communities that have been disproportionately affected by COVID. Mm -hmm. So these are just some of the, um, the negative impacts that have been happening both on folks that can't verify lawful presence and certainly their families who are also being negatively affected. And when these things happen, this hurts our economy and it hurts all of our communities by driving down wages and and targeting those who should also be able to provide a adequate who should make be able to make an adequate living and provide for their families. Yeah, I think it's important we pass out a couple of the things you talked about. Um, I think highlighting the fact that the, the policies were racist in their um, in their conception, which means I think. We were doing something as a state that, um, as a, a you know government entity that we know is not beneficial, but rather is just a, a, an appeasal of a racist's um, intentions. But I think more importantly, um, well, not necessarily more importantly, but I think also in addition to that, I think we saw, we saw the impact on a personal level, but also at the state level. I think. For a lot of the times when we think about policy, when we see it as being racist, um, the, people think that's where it ends. But what we are seeing is that um, people who would normally contribute to our economy 
and not are not being able to participate in that economy. Can you say a little bit more about how that's impacting not just um, healthcare but also um, early childhood and just the overall um, economy, especially in a year where um, <clears throat> I feel as though you know we all saw that we are more connected than we think we are. Absolutely, I think you know. To be honest, this has just created a failed patchwork of state and local policies that have just caused so much confusion. And the disparities are threatening families every day. And with the misinterpretation of these laws, um, families are just as confused as ever. And it's really not, um, we need our state legislators who can understand the technicalities of these bills and the limitations of state and local policies and federal laws to really ensure that we're putting Colorado back on track for an equitable and inclusive recovery from COVID. In addition to ensuring that our states and municipalities are relieved of some of this red tape and are able to do their jobs without this administrative burden. I also think that it's super critical that we really take this opportunity to be clear about what our values are as a state regarding immigrants and people in our state. Shouldn't matter where you come from or how you got here. We believe that everybody belongs. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's the Colorado way. Um, and I wonder if you can talk about, so that we currently have a, a bill in the legislature, Senate Bill 199, who's trying to um, so for some of these issues that we just talked about. Can you talk about what this bill is trying to do, what it's trying to solve for? I think some of the most important things that are coming from this bill is, again, Colorado's opportunity um, to remove, repeal um, antiquated and racist laws. That in and of itself is super, is an important thing that this bill does. It, it opens up access to things like ensuring that childcare providers can become licensed childcare child providers. And one of the most important things that we saw, and this existed prior to COVID, was that we, we have enough childcare providers, but they're not able to get that license. And so, and these are the, the abuelitas that we care about in our, in our own neighborhoods and communities, but that also caring for our next generation. So this is going to be really important for folks to be able to ensure that they have what they need so that they can take care of themselves, their families, and, and the families of their communities. These are the people we trust most with some of our most precious, with some of the things we hold most precious, which is our children and, and, our, and our future. It's really important, too, that, um, that this law is able to ensure that we're removing burdensome red tape that actually costs the state money, Right. Um, and when we allow that to happen, we will, we will increase the amount of folks that are able to join the workforce. When we have folks um, like, a, like a, some of the students that I've met with down in Pueblo, Colorado, that are in a CSU Pueblo nursing program, one of the best programs in our state. And what they tell me is that they care about taking care of people. They actually want to save lives and put a smile on the face of their patients. And when they can become a registered nurse, when they can become recognized and honored for all of the hard work and investment they've put into their education and career, that they're rewarded with that licensure. That licensure ensures they can make more money. That, that ensures that they're actually paying more taxes, right? And they're able to stay in their local communities. 
they don't have to move to another state that allows this to, to already happen. So those are just some of the most important things that this bill does. And I think it's um, allows voices of those who have been working on this bill for many, many years to finally continue to push and advocate for the repeal of this law and the others with it that happened in that special session in 2006. And to give that to take away that hope, that hopelessness and despair that comes from meeting barrier after barrier, brick wall after brick wall, and really replace that um, and honor the, the language skills, the cultural assets that some of these individuals bring and, and to ensure that we're creating a Colorado for all where every person can achieve their dreams and prosper. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you touched on a little bit about this, and I wonder if you can say more about who has been involved um, in this process, because I think that it's been going on since 2006. And I think more often than not, we forget how long uh, these fights take, especially in, in communities where um, they don't have the legal protection of citizenship. Um, so I wonder if you can talk about who has been involved and what that has meant for the bill itself. Thanks for asking. The The coalition building that's um, come together around the around this bill has been ex so exciting. It is full and led by directly affected people. Right. These are the these are the true leaders in the in the community. These are the folks that have been crying out for years to help change this law, have been putting in the hard work to do this on the ground, talk to their family, their friends and their neighbors. And whether they can vote or not, they're activating, they're advocating and they're mobilizing to ensure that this bill is successful. So some of the coalition um, partners represent early child care um, and education. Some of them represent healthcare organizations and institutions. Um, definitely some higher ed in there with uh, and, and individuals, educators who are working with these young students who are hoping to achieve their dreams by dedicating themselves to their education and, the, and their future. It also includes organizers and immigrant rights advocates and like Lorena and many others who have been around for a really long time, who, who have that, that history, who've been on the front lines since the beginning. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to think about all of the, the legal perspectives that we've been able to get in support of this bill. Um, all of the advice from um, other advocates across the country who are also working really hard in this moment in their state to repeal old antiquated racist laws that harm our, our communities, our families, and our entire state. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunities for those folks those folks, especially those who are directly affected to speak for themselves. It's a, it's a really, um, there's a number of coalitions over, well over 50 um, have been actively involved. We've got some agriculture workers, public health folks. We've also got those data folks um, who can help us really understand the, the research that is the extensive research that shows how this has harmed our, our state. And certainly we wanna make sure that we're able to, to really show the, the fullness and the richness um, of people who really want to see um, this bill pass. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think it's very exciting to um, hear how like a bill that, you know, was once, I think I would say like not the best of us, um, but it has invited so many people from so many walks of lives to come and do something that's right, uh, both morally, but also financially. I think, uh, you know, there's, um, there's often sometimes 
issues like this are just argued as if they're just a, a moral question. But I think this shows how like we are such a community. I think there's no way to harm one group without harming everybody. Um, so I think this is just beautiful to see. Um, I wonder if you can talk a lot about, we know that, you know, one bill is not going to solve everything. Um, so I wonder if you can talk a lot about, uh, a little bit about how, um, what the challenges remain for immigrant communities here in Colorado. I think immigrant health is is one main issue and we see these disparities around um, the pandemic pretty pretty starkly and the resources that are available to them. So I wonder if you can touch on a little bit about what challenges do remain for immigrants in Colorado and how we can best find solutions for those. That's a great question um, and a complicated answer. Cause like you said, it's not, um, there's not just one silver bullet that's gonna solve all these problems for us. So this coalition um, ha and uh, many coalitions have actually been coming together around a variety of pro-immigrant bills coming through this session. This coalition, the Coalition for Immigrant Health and certainly individual organizations are advocating and supporting all of them. We need all of them. We want to make sure that folks who are uh, undocumented have access to housing supports that they need. We've seen throughout this country how critical housing is. The crisis is real and people need help now, regardless of their status. We want to make sure that we're supporting all the different aspects around data privacy. So if you do you know, submit your information to get a license, that's all protected. And that is really, really important, whether you're trying to get a license or you're trying to get a vaccine here in our state. So we support all efforts around, the da around data privacy and protecting people's personal identifying information. We also wanna make sure that we're making progress and in increasing um, more access to care. So there's other bills that would ensure that um, we've got folks that are able to, to get into emergency Medicaid and that those, um, that, that program is um, being required to ensure that folks are getting screened and, and into that program. So those are just a few, but I'll let my colleague um, also jump in to share a few of the other challenges. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the things that's really um, poses a big challenge is that similar to what was mentioned at the very beginning is that we just have such a long history of anti-immigrant sentiment in this state. And so even as we are opening up all of these opportunities and addressing all of these barriers, these tangible barriers, there is still very real intangible barriers that will prevent um, our communities who can't prove lawful presence from actually being able to live their full lives. And so there needs to be also an entire culture shift in recognizing that Every single person in this, in our state and in our country has worth, has value, can bring things to their communities, can contribute. And if we don't change this culture, as we all know, even when we change law, it's not going to do much. So in addition to all of these really tangible barriers, I mean, we just really need to, to get rid of this this really nasty residue of such a horrible anti-immigrant um, period that we went through and that we saw come back in the last four years. And, you know, and it just, it's just a lot. It's just, it's just a lot. And I know there's no simple answers to um, how we shift the culture, but I'm hoping that you two can give us some insight on 
Um, what are some things that you have seen work in not just fixing um, the legislations like what, you know, 199, but I think what are some of the things that are helpful in shifting the culture uh, towards a more inclusive uh, community? I would say actually to start is, you know, part of it is when we have when we have laws on our books that that basically say we hate immigrants. I mean, that that in itself is very much of a cultural marker. And so by st starting with this work of getting rid of these laws that that continue to make immigrants the other, I think is is really helpful. And by no longer forcing people who cannot prove lawful presence to disclose the fact that they cannot prove lawful presence will also break down these really horribly thick, invisible barriers that prevent them from being able to um, be able to, to, to flow in and out of society as we all do. And as individuals and also as organizations and businesses, I think there's also just the recognition of making sure that we also need to reflect the communities that we're in. Um, and, I, you know, we, we could be going, we could be, we could spend an entire day talking about this piece, right? Because there's so much that has to happen and it's around, um, it's around housing justice. It's around urban development. It's around uh, criminal justice. It's around, you know, how domestic violence um, victims are treated. And, you know, even there's just, it's, it's such an intersectional issue that there is no easy answer. And of course there's not, it's hard work. I mean, to achieve justice and equity is hard, hard work. And if it wasn't hard work, we would already be there. Yeah, that's exactly right. If, if we had the answers, we would not have been in the same place we're in now. Um, I think this is a good place to then give people some um, directions as to how they can take this on and by no means anything we suggest here is the only solution to this problem. But I think, you know, we can all have our own starting point, right? Some of us are comfortable testifying. Some of us are all we can do is share what we learned with other people in our network. And both or both and all of those things are valid. So I wonder if you can give our listeners where they can plug in, where they can get their voices heard. Um, on this issue, but also um, it, the, the general conversation around how to create an inclusive, inclusive community. One, one really quick thing that is also really timely is reaching out to members of the Senate State Affairs Committee and contacting those committee members and asking them to, to vote yes on this bill. Um, that will help us get through the first committee hearing coming up soon. And we would love for them to hear from their constituents and how important this is. I would also say you don't have to stop there. You can do a lot of things by talking to your own family, friends, neighbors, and colleagues about why this is important, why our communities are richer and because we have immigrants in them. I would also say that you can even do things like support businesses that are, are run and operated by immigrants. I think now more than ever, we need to support local businesses led by people of color in our state. We know that businesses started by immigrants are some of the most powerful economic engines in our local uh, communities and economies. And they're also what make our neighborhoods special and unique and why we love to live there. Those are just a few things I think um, that we could do in addition to um, signing onto action alerts or sharing um, any things that you see in support of this bill on your social media platforms. Um, 
and always ensuring that you um, can reach out to um, some of the folks working on this bill. Certainly, Beza is a great resource, um, and the Children's Campaign is um, a really great partner on this all of this work. Everything Maggie said. Uh, all right. Thank you so much uh, to both of you. We will be um, sharing your info in the show notes so people can find you um, and get involved. We would also be adding um, the Children's Campaign is in support of this bill and tracks this bill. Uh, we'll be adding um, you, how you can follow that bill in the show notes as well. Um, share this podcast with uh, your friends and family and talk about these issues um, and, and, you know, I think the more we can talk about these, the more we can get involved. I think the better off all of us can be. So thank you so much, ladies, for making the time. And hopefully this is not the last time we chat about this. Thank you, Beza. Thank you so much for having us. The West Steps is a production of the Colorado Children's Campaign. If you want to support our work, go to coloradokids.org. Fun fact, you can also find out Erica's pet peeves on her profile page on our website. Please don't do that.